0: I greet you in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Sure is nice to have a Sunday when both the Clemson and Carolina folks are happy. (laughs) But I know what you're thinking. Sure would be nice to win with a little less anxiety. Today we are continuing our series of messages from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Two weeks ago, we considered the good news that Jesus came to declare. Then last Sunday, we focused on the divinity of Jesus. He was the God-man combination, the miracle worker. Today we encounter Jesus as the storyteller. He used parables, little commonplace stories and he used them to communicate eternal truth and two of those little stories were about farmers seeds growth and harvest so I call your attention to Mark chapter 4 beginning to read with the 26th verse and if you're able I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. (coughs) Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you were not born and bred in the south, you may not know what kudzu is. (laughs) Let me explain. It is that leafy vine that you see growing up telephone poles and covering small valleys. There are some people who say it ought to be illegal to plant kudzu, but it's really easy to do. You just throw a seed over your shoulder and then run. (laughs) Nothing grows so fast as kudzu. You, You remember the childhood fable we learned about Jack and the beanstalk? That was no beanstalk. That was a kudzu vine, sure as a world. Now, the poor kudzu is much maligned and criticized, but I'm told it's really good forage for cows. And if we ever find a commercial use for it, oh, we could pay off the national debt with that. And perhaps the best thing about kudzu is that it stops erosion. Yes. Some people say that if it weren't for kudzu, South Carolina would be in Georgia. Based on the teachings of Jesus, the the kingdom of God resembles kudzu in certain ways. It starts small, grows continuously, overcomes all obstacles, and yields a huge harvest. And in order to illustrate how the kingdom of God works, Jesus told two simple little stories about farmers and seeds and soils and harvests. The first of those stories is about how grain grows. A farmer plants the seeds, but then quite apart from anything the farmer does, those seeds sprout and grow the grain. And then the only task left for the farmer is to harvest the crop. The second story Jesus told is about the mustard seed, which is a tiny black Seed that birds love to eat. It is so tiny that it literally takes thousands to make an ounce. Yet, this seed produces a shrub that grows to be the largest in the garden, sometimes reaching 10, 12 feet high. Now, in those two little stories, Jesus gives us three truths about the kingdom of God. First, Never underestimate small beginnings. Never underestimate small beginnings. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. Jesus is telling us that even small things done for him have a huge impact. Nothing done for Jesus is ever wasted. Every word and deed done in his name or motivated by his love will produce results. We may never see it, but it will be productive. Several months ago I had a conversation with a young man. I'm going to call him Joe, that was not his name. He's an unhappy fellow and to my best of my knowledge has no relationship with God or the church. I knew that he had two cats that he loved a great deal. So we started talking about his cats. And I told him, I said, Joe, I'm I'm more of a dog man myself. Uh, I believe the dog is the most unselfish animal on earth. And yet some cats I've been around seem rather selfish. Joe said, oh, I disagree. He said, the difference is dogs are just quicker to trust a human being. But a cat is more discriminating. A cat takes a longer time to evaluate the person. And only, Joe said, only if the cat trusts the person can that person have a relationship with the cat. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit flashed a message to me. I said, Joe, what you just said about the relationship between the cat and a person is similar to a relationship between a person and God. Only if a person trusts in God can he or she have a relationship with God. Joe didn't respond. He just listened. There were a few moments of silence and then we moved on to some other subject to talk about. Will that have an impact? I don't know. I hope and pray. I don't know. But I do know this. God is in the business of blessing small things with glorious results. There's a clerk in a store that I sometimes frequent who completes every transaction with every customer by saying, have a blessed day. Now, I suspect that 99 out of 100 customers never even think about what she says. Doesn't register at all. To them, it's just the same as saying, have a nice day. Ah, but I suspect there's one in a hundred who thinks, hmm, in order to wish a blessed day for me, she must be having a blessed day. I wonder where her blessing comes from. And I wonder if I might need it too. Just a small thing. Just a simple statement. Ah, but God is in the business of blessing small things. With glorious results. There's a TV personality, and if I were to mention her name, you'd recognize it immediately. She's on the TV all the time, and she always wears a necklace with a cross on it. Now, I suspect that 99 out of 100 people who view her on television and even see the cross never even think about it. Or if they do, they say it's just another piece of ornamental jewelry means nothing ah but one in a hundred when they see that cross on that necklace think she must be wearing that because long ago there was a man who died on a cross I think his name was Jesus and it must mean a whole lot to her to wear the cross and I wonder if it has any relevance for me maybe just a small thing just a cross on a necklace. But God is in the business of blessing small things with glorious results. Many years ago, the city of Charlotte, North Carolina decided to have a citywide revival. And the Ministerial Association in Charlotte decided not to endorse the revival because the guest evangelist that they had invited in the opinion of the ministerial association was not educated enough or sophisticated enough for the task. But there was a Presbyterian Sunday school teacher who refused to go along with the ministerial association and he urged his Sunday school class made up of teenagers to attend the revival. And one of his students was a lanky son of a dairy farmer who went to that revival and was soundly converted and later was called to preach. His name is Billy Graham. The whole world knows his name. But nobody remembers the name of the Sunday school teacher who urged him to attend except God himself. But isn't that just the way God works? He blesses small things and unknown people with glorious results that's the way it is with the kingdom of God never underestimate small beginnings that brings me to the second truth I want to try to plant on your heart God makes the crops grow God makes the crops grow Jesus explained it in these words All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Now when Jesus said the growth is all by itself, he meant the farmer had nothing to do with it. It was a God thing. God made it grow. When I was in elementary school, I saw a commonplace miracle one day, and I suspect you witnessed something similar. One day in elementary school... Our teacher brought a mason jar filled with dirt to school. And together we planted a seed in the dirt and we watered it. And we put it up on the window of the classroom. And day by day we walked by it and watched that thing. It was magic. I mean little roots began to go downward into the dirt. And then there was a little sprout And it began to push upward through the dirt toward the sunlight. It's called germination. Commonplace miracle. Happens millions of times every day. And if it weren't for that miracle, we couldn't eat. We couldn't survive. And have you ever thought about it? There's not a scientist on earth. I don't care where you went to school. Who can make germination happen can make a seed germinate. None. Only God can do that. And by the way, have you noticed that as the scientists have explored the moon and Mars, there's no germination going on. And doesn't that lead you to believe that when this little earthly ball was created, there was a higher power who planted the miracle of germination. So that we could survive. Even more miraculous is the germination of a spiritual seed. And the good news of Jesus Christ carried on the wings of the Holy Spirit. Is like a seed planted in the human heart. God makes it grow. Oh yes, there are are people and governments that can hinder its growth. But they cannot stop it. St. Paul explained this process when he wrote to the Corinthians. He said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Now you might wonder then, why is the church in America going through such hard times in recent years? I mean, if the church were listed on the New York Stock Exchange, its stock would be consistently falling. In recent years, church attendance, church membership have been in decline. And the same sad situation prevails in much of Europe. But if you look at the church across the world, you get a different picture. The church is growing like kudzu in the most unlikely places, including places where the general population and the governments are hostile. One of the fastest growing churches in the world is Indonesia. A country that is majority Muslim. And probably the fastest growing church in the world is the underground church in China. Violently opposed by the communist government. Communist government is forever snatching crosses off the steeples of churches. But they can't snatch the cross out of the hearts of the Christians. And so the church keeps on growing. And guess where the fastest growing Methodist church in the world is? It's Africa. Africa. Of all places. Where the church there has just a fraction of the material resources that we enjoy in America. Now, how can we understand that strange pattern by which the kingdom is growing? It's a God thing. Because God has a habit of working through the underdogs of this world to prove to the world that it's his power, not the power of man, that is crucial. God often raises up shepherd boys like David to shame the Goliaths of this world. And just as God makes the crops grow, he will make sure that his kingdom and his church keeps on saving souls and transforming the world until Jesus himself returns in glory. God makes the crops grow. And here's the third truth from Jesus' stories about the kingdom of God. The harvest is certain, but harvesters are needed. Now, sometimes the harvest may be delayed, be delayed, but don't conclude that it's not coming. It's just on God's timing, not ours. Sometimes we have to trade in our stopwatches for calendars. And we can assist God by sending more workers into his fields. Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. If you go back and read the gospel records, there was one time in Jesus' ministry when you sense that he almost wanted to leap in joy and exchange high fives with the disciples. It was when he sent out 72 disciples, two by two, into the towns of Judea and Galilee. He sent them out to preach the good news, to preach the gospel, and to heal folks. We don't know how long they were gone, maybe two or three weeks, maybe a month, but when they returned... They were ecstatic. It was like a, it was like a, a victorious football team having, coming back from having defeated their arch rival. They were, they were exclaiming, Master, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus was as joyful as they were. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What a joy it is to see the kingdom of God advance. Many years ago, in one of my former churches, I wanted to train some of my lay people in how to share the good news with others. I happened to have a friend who was an official in an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. And he made me an offer. He said, if you recruit 25 of your best laymen for a weekend, I will come and train them how to share the faith. I took him up on the challenge. I recruited. It wasn't easy. This is a football weekend. Get people to give a weekend. That's tough. I did it. We started on Friday, continued on Saturday. Uh, The training process he he taught us was really simple. He said, you ring a doorbell. And uh, when someone answers, you introduce yourselves and say, Would you give me a few minutes to share briefly about my Christian faith? And if they invite you in, then you take this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And you read it to them, showing the the little diagrams in it. And when you finish, you ask, now do you have any questions? And if they have none, then you say, would you like to pray a prayer inviting Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior and Lord. And if they say yes, then you read the prayer line by line, have them repeat after you a prayer of commitment to Christ. All right, shortly before lunch on Saturday, he sprang a surprise on us. He said, "Um, after lunch, I'm going to send you out two by two to different parts of town to do what I've taught you to do. Oh, we didn't know he was, that was in the deal. We, we, we thought he was going to teach us how to do it, but not send us out to do it. And we were anxious. I was anxious. I had been taught in seminary how to share the gospel with congregations. That was good. But I was anxious about this one-on-one business. And my layman felt the same way. But, you know, we had signed up for the weekend. It would be cowardly to leave. So we were stuck. And so after lunch, my partner and I, we were assigned to an apartment complex. And on the way, I said, this is going to be a disaster. I said, these people are watching football. Last thing they want to talk about is the faith. I said, we're going to get insulted if not locked out. Looking back on that Saturday afternoon, 40 years later, I still stand in awe and wonder. In, in all eight apartments that we visited where someone was at home, we were invited into every one of them. And in four of the eight, someone prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I was shocked And it had nothing to do with our personalities at all. And it certainly had nothing to do with the the power of persuasion. We didn't do any persuading. It was a dazzling display of the Holy Spirit's power to plant the gospel in a human heart. And that experience that Saturday afternoon had a lasting impression on me. For one thing, this anxiety I had about sharing the gospel 101, that vanished. That vanished. And it was replaced with a yearning to do it, yearning to do it. Now, my style of doing it is different from Campus Crusade. Uh, I personalize my presentation more. I involve more dialogue. But the content of what I share is exactly from the four spiritual laws. Now, it's a sad truth that today in America, Satan has persuaded most Americans, keep your religious beliefs to yourself. Otherwise, you might offend somebody. And yet, Jesus is calling us into the harvest field saying, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So, let me summarize the message that Jesus gives us in these two little stories about farmers and soil and harvest. Never think small. The kingdom of God is like kudzu. It often has humble beginnings and then prodigious growth and an abundant harvest. And now let me get personal with you. Is there a call from God to you In this message? Is there a neighbor or co-worker whom you could invite to that Gaither concert we advertised? Should you keep a few copies of the New Testament handy so that as you interact with somebody sometime, if God gives you a nudge to pass one on, you could. Is there a child or a grandchild? who needs to hear from you about how you came to know Jesus as your Savior and when and how? Is there a senior citizen somewhere who needs to hear you say something like this? My friend, may I tell you what God has been doing in my life because I know he loves you as much as he loves me. Finally, let me close with a story about the late, great Methodist pastor named Bill Henson. Dear friend of mine. And what I'm about to share with you, he shared with me just a couple of years before he died. At that time, he was the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Houston. At that time, the largest Methodist church in America. Bill grew up in South Georgia and he went to college there. And one Sunday he was invited to preach at a small rural church. And during his sermon, he was distracted because there was a little boy sitting on front row who kept swinging his feet back and forth. Well, after the service, this little boy named Donnie, 10 years old, came up and introduced himself and invited Bill to come to his house for lunch that day. And Bill thought, "Well, he owes me that much. He distracted me all during my sermon. Well, he went to to lunch at Donnie's house and had a wonderful time there. And then he drove on back to college. About 10 days later, he went to his mailbox and there was a bulky envelope there which jingled when he pulled it from the mailbox. It contained 57 cents from Donnie. And the note said, Dear Brother Bill, I'm sending you my egg money to help you go to school to learn to be a better preacher. <laughs> well, Bill remembered Donnie's father's name, and so he phoned him, and he said, I appreciate so much Donnie sending me the money, but I can't accept, I can't take, the, take his money, uh, and so I'll send it back to him. And the father said, oh, no, don't do that. said, he has taken you on as a special cause of his, And he's taking way better care of his chickens now that he's got a cause to support. And so please let him continue to help you. And so Bill did. And the months went by. Years went by. And every once in a while, one of those bulky envelopes would be there in a mailbox with change from Donnie. He kept it up until Bill graduated. Now, in the years that followed, Donnie grew up and became a very successful businessman. But in the ensuing years, he would periodically visit the churches where Bill was serving to check on his investment. <laughs> and by the way, he traveled in his own private plane. Bill told me, he said, he said there was many a time when uh, I would pull one of those bulky envelopes from the mailbox with Donnie's change. And I'd go back to my room and I would fall on my knees and say, Oh God, make me worthy of this little boy's investment. Isn't that how God works? He allows one of the pastors of largest churches in America to get an early boost from a 10-year-old's egg money. The kingdom of God is a kudzu kind of kingdom. It starts small, grows continually, and yields a mighty harvest. Could God be calling you this week to a kingdom task? I dare you to ask him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for growing your kingdom day and night, even when we cannot see it. Lead on, O King Eternal. Raise the banner of Christ over Satan's fortress of secularism and sin. Send us into your harvest fields, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to seek and to save the lost. Thank you for blessing small things with glorious results. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.